My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. It's got to be demoralizing for his other prophets. For him to be like, you all suck. I'm going to go visit an illegal necromancer to find my dead prophet. Yeah, exactly. Hey, everybody. I'm Dan McClellan. And I'm Dan Beecher. And you are listening to the Data Over Dogma podcast, where we increase public access to the academic study of the Bible and religion and combat the spread of misinformation about the same. How are things, Dan? Oh, man. Uh, you know, here's the thing. We're both sick, you and I. Yeah. Like, you're in the, in the interview that we're about to play, you're even sicker than you are now. <laughs> that, we recorded that a little while ago. Uh, yeah. You have not yet fully recovered from that sickness. I'm no. starting a new sickness. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that you gave it to me over the the <laughs> internet. Yeah. So well, I'm I'm coming up the 18 fairway. So I am I'm getting there. But yeah, I'm yeah. still not back to 100. percent But yeah, this is this was almost what was this three weeks ago that we recorded this interview? <laughs> oh my gosh! Don't don't <laughs> tell the like people that. how long it's been. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, coming up is a really cool interview. Uh, those of you who uh, follow Dan's, you know, all of his social media and whatever, know that we we teased a celebrity guest on the show. This is that show, Joel McHale, star of Stage and Screen. I don't know if he's ever done stage work. I assume he's done stage. Stuff. I don't know. Um, he likes star to, of Screen uh, anyway. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, he is uh, he is going to be appearing on the show for the first half of the show. Uh, that's really cool. We had a really fun conversation with him. Uh, yeah. Our patrons get to hear even more of him uh, in in the patrons only stuff. So that's yeah. kind of cool. So you can sign up for that if you want to hear that stuff. And then after that, we're going to do a chapter and verse. Yeah. So most of the interview was totally unusable. Uh, it was just a train wreck. So um, <laughs> I wasn't no, going to say it. It was a uh, lot of uh, it was there's a lot of energy. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, we had a great we, time. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, it, it was, was actually a lot, a lot of fun. And you guys are going to have a lot of fun listening to it. But we also wanted to get some Bible content into yeah, the episode. We want to make sure those of you who don't like fun but like the scholarship are getting uh, uh, are getting yours too. So uh, we talked a little bit in the interview with Joel about the famous story of the necromancer of Endor, and so the chapter it's and about verse, an Ewok witch, you guys. Right, there is, a, is literally an Ewok in the Bible. You're going to have to stay <laughs> tuned through the whole episode to find out about it. And this was not written until after the second uh, episode of uh, Star Trek, right? That's right. That, that's Third. what we're talking about? Well, no, uh, Star Trek. That's right. The second episode of... <laughs> right. You, you, oh. I, you just blew a lot of people's brains out of their I was, heads. I'm playing. I'm, I'm totally playing. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, uh, we're going to talk about uh, 1 Samuel chapter 28 and the necromancer of Endor and go on a deep dive uh, about what's going on in that chapter because it's so fascinating. Yeah, it's a really... Really interesting story. Yeah. Uh, and Joel's in it. This is going to be a fun episode. Uh, I think we should just launch into the, uh, to the interview. All right. Let's see it. 
for once, we have an interesting show for you today. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we've we've avoided it for so many episodes, but we had to be interesting at least once. It's no uh, longer a sleep meditation app. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, we're welcoming a special guest. Uh, this, uh, we've it's a celebrity guest, um, even more than Bart Ehrman, I think. Uh, welcome, Joel McHale. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm very excited to be here. I'm not joking. As uh, Dan McClellan knows, uh, very fond of all the uh, all the Instagram posts, and I just love the stuff you guys do because uh, you know, as a man of faith, as a man of the cloth, as I am, it can be a pretty <laughs> turbulent and uh, crazy crazy time out there in America. So Joel, you are you, you're you're known as uh, Jeff Winger on the hit sitcom Community. You came rocketing <laughs> into my consciousness way back in er, the early aughts by being mean to reality show stars on The Soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've hosted game shows. Uh, you've done a bunch of fun voiceover stuff for cartoons and I think video games. Question mark. Is that? The thing you've done? Dan, you're doing a great job of reading my Wikipedia. And, I, uh, listen. I like I, some of the current uh, projects should be brought up, too. I'm getting there. I'm building. I'm oh, building. Okay. You know what? Right. I'm, I'm trying to. I don't know what Fortnite is. I don't. I, I just don't know what Fortnite is. Can we be a little bit generous with an old guy? Gosh. Fortnite. Look, <laughs> Epic Games is in Utah. It's based in Utah. <laughs> My words. Well, right. Dan is barely based in Utah, but um, and you're the you're the anyway. scientist, right? On, on I Fortnite? am the scientist on Fortnite. Yeah. Thank you, Dan McClellan. That's a point for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel bad for the people that tuned in to hear about the Bible, and they're like, oh, <laughs> they "The hell this is going guy? on here?" Yeah, yeah. So uh, Dan mentioned something to me earlier, and I don't know if I knew this or forgot about it or what, but uh, you were not born in, in the United States of America. Is that correct? No, I was born in Narnia. Thank you. In Narnia. Okay. <laughs> well done. And I wanted to. <laughs> no, I was born in Italy. And here's the uh, I was born in Rome. Right. And I'm not kidding when I say this, I, uh, which makes me holier than each, either of you. I was baptized at the Vatican. At the Vatican. Yeah. Okay, that very cool. Some, that's that, some at, fancy uh, Catholic and right there. That's yeah. They took Jesus off the Pieta. They put me <laughs> there. They poured holy water on me and then reattached Jesus. It was <laughs> Yeah, it was uh why not? If you're in Italy, why not, right? I had a homeless guy pour his water on me in Italy, in, in the Vatican. Does that count? Is that the same thing? <laughs> I think that was Jesus. <laughs> okay. See? Well, if you um, if you go to uh, Capernaum uh, on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, there's a um, there's a statue of a homeless man laying on a bench covered in in a, a shroud right outside the front entrance. And if you look closely, you'll see nail marks in the feet and in the hands. So representative of Jesus as um, yon homeless man. So uh, right. Now, yeah, I assume that that was that was something that was a pretty brief stay in Rome. You didn't grow up there. No, it was only there for three years of my life, okay. uh, and then my parents moved to Seattle. Seattle. Which at that point, uh, literally, there was billboards that said, "With the last person in Seattle," it was so depressed. It said, "With the last <laughs> person in Seattle, please turn the lights off." <laughs> <laughs> 
It was it was the it was the OPEC crisis. So Boeing was uh, slowing down. The uh, for timber industry was slowing down, and that's mm-hmm. that was the major industries in Seattle. So you could yeah. you could and then then now you know then all of a sudden the nineties hit in the late eighties, and we became the coolest place on earth. And I just assumed that's how it happened with every city. <laughs> and I just like everything just gets better. Everything's cooler. It's Microsoft and Amazon just show up and then start everything. Everyone likes your stuff. And then I, my friend, my my friend Gillian was like, I was raised in Pittsburgh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. Where, where they say bagel, right? Um. Bagel. And so, uh, Gillian Jacobs, one of my favorite yeah. people on the planet, played Britta on Community. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you. Since this is a Bible podcast, what tell us about your background with the Bible? You told you told us about. I, I assume you're Catholic if you were if you were baptized in the Vatican, or at least were oh, Catholic. Well, yes, I was raised Catholic in Catholic schools and an altar boy, and then uh, I, about which we have I, no I, further questions. Just so that you know. Oh no. No, my, my mom and dad were so proud because we would serve mass and it was both my brothers and I, we'd be doing the mass together. And my mom would be like leap out of the pew and start taking photos with an <laughs> oh. old Nikon. And uh, she was so happy. Uh, That's adorable. But um, yeah, then I had like a conversion experience when I was about 17 at a young life camp. Uh and uh, that's, you know, that 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 was kind of the, you know, like uh, traditional, uh, not tradition. I guess it is traditional where they say you have to give your life and all that. And uh, yeah, and I definitely convert. I don't know what I was converting to, but I was in. And uh, uh, and so then I went to a uh, I went to a, a let's say, well, I'm going to, I guess, a Methodist church now. And uh, I went to a. Uh, well, my brother's an Episcopal priest. I'll just start just uh, uh, then I, the Presbyterian. I was part, uh, very Presbyterian for a while. This sounds but not I've never I couldn't ever go to a mega church because they freaked me out. That's the, fair. there's yeah. my history. No, I love it. I love it. I think I, I mean, that's obviously like if you're into Dan's work, if you're into our work, uh, then it's it. There, you know, there's two camps of people. There's there's the hardcore atheists who are just like trying to understand the the book from a from a different perspective, and then there are believers like you who are who are interested in hearing the Bible as they've never heard it before. Did you ever read the Bible? Did was that ever? Did you ever like try to dive into it cover to oh, cover? Oh, Dan, I can't read. Uh, that's <laughs> my problem. I am very dyslexic. So uh, when I remember the Simpsons episode where. Uh, Homer thought he was dying from the piece of sushi that he ate, <laughs> and he decided to yeah, he only had the Bible on tape read by Larry King, and uh, <laughs> it was so funny. Um, I don't uh, know. I so I've never actually like sat down and, and read it. Uh, I did read Numbers over and over again because that, <laughs> that's that's the good stuff book. right there. <laughs> uh, but I, I did say to Dan because I'm always right on the verge of atheism. <laughs> It's for me, it's either you believe it or just uh, just it's not it doesn't exist. Uh, so I'm always like r- one step away from that. But uh, that's why when I started following Dan on Instagram, I was like, oh, this is what I uh, needed to hear. And uh, and then I, we, I grew up with this kind of like 
I used to take this, it wasn't, a, it was a group of us in college that would um, listen to music. And the guy that led it was a, a scientist at the University of Washington. And it was like, a, it was kind of like a, it wasn't a Bible study, but it was like a, a bunch of people that kind of had the same faith. And we would just listen to, we'd break down songs and listen to them. So his science, like he was he very, was great because he was like, Bible's not a science book. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, that's right. And uh, that's, so that's just one small, his name is Dr. John Medina and is still, look him up. He's got a bunch of books out. He's, he's really, uh, and his wife, Car is incredible people. So anyway, um, that all said, uh, so uh, that's kind of how it stayed. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, watching Dan break it down, because I feel like American Christianity is uh, pretty screwed up because it's very American. And so it, Dan's way of breaking it down, which is data, uh, which is great, which is like Dan points out all the times. So I was like, well, this doesn't really make any sense, but this is exactly what it said. And uh, so... Uh, and then this other stuff makes so much more sense when when Dan has broken it down. So uh, it's just, yeah, kind of a revelatory. So when I went down, when I had dinner with Dan in Salt Lake uh, and his lovely wife, I was very starstruck. It was great. And Dan had no <laughs> idea, but uh, it was super fun. Oh, and I was going to ask you just every time I talk to you when you're flying in and out of somewhere, you like, do you try to get flights that get in at 1130 at night? Is that just? Oh, I take the very earliest flight or the last flight. If I, if I, I, it's the shortest amount of time when I need to be. I can be, you know, go be away from my family. Yeah. So it's I always uh, sacrifice my sleep for that. But uh, no, <laughs> it's yeah, I always take the very last flight. Even if I'm working all day, but I never would yeah. wait another. I wouldn't sleep and then get up and go. No, that sounds that sounds insane. <laughs> Would tell right, what, what could, how big is your family you what who do you got you got kids i assume i got two boys uh 18 and 15 uh wow. what do you got i got nothing <laughs> i i'm a, you got I'm, nothing. A, I'm, a, I'm a i'm a free bird i like i like to i like to travel light that's uh <laughs> yeah you saved a lot of money dude <laughs> <laughs> well i i i do want to ask you uh some I, one of the things, so the, we put out a call for questions for you, Joel, uh, on our various TikTok accounts and whatnot, uh, and we we had some response. So I I, I was curious. One, so one of our TikTok uh, listeners, uh, per, p, viewers, whatever, uh, asked, curious how you see the Bible used behind the scenes in the movie slash TV industry. And I don't know what that means necessarily, but I, I, I am curious about like you hear a lot of uh, I'm not going to name actors, but a lot of actors who are pretty hardcore Christians complaining that that they're not allowed to talk about their faith and that they uh, that, that, you know, faith. Yeah, well, thinking is, of Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, that's I'm, just I, I'm not naming anybody, <laughs> but there's a lot. of. It's them. Just, uh, what are your thoughts? It's a pretty loaded that question. Not that the TikTok user wanted to add, add ask a loaded question, but uh, the 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 stereotype is that um, Hollywood is a godless, lawless brothel, uh, and it's ironic uh, since you know Los Angeles is the birthplace of uh, 
many things, including neoconservatism and <laughs> megachurches. Megachurches started here in the 1930s. So, uh, but it was also the birthplace of JPL and a thousand other things uh, that all started here. And uh, so, 90, I'm going to say that 99% of, well, I when it was like, it's the lot like this industry that it's godless. And I was like, so um, doctors and lawyers, their industries are super uh, clean. And like, they're, they're just the epitome of, uh, you know, virtue and righteousness or, you know, whatever it is. I'm always like, yeah, whatever. It's the same. It's just the same as everywhere else where there's some really great people. Most of the time, they're decent people. Uh, everyone's working their butts off here. And then there's really awful people. And it's funny because the awful people, that eventually gets around. And then they eventually get kind of pushed out. Uh, thank God. Uh, but it is the only industry where you can fail upwards. And most of those are executives. <laughs> but uh, I, I suppose you can do that in, in most churches, too. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but when I hear just like... It's, I always see this common complaint, like, I can't talk about my faith that I'm talking about right now in this right. interview that will be broadcast. And I think it's more that comes down to more political persuasion uh, than it does to faith. Because, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a, if you look at you an know, overhead map of uh, Southern California, there's churches everywhere and there's. Yeah synagogues everywhere and there's mosques everywhere. And, uh, and so, uh, I, I don't, I never thought it was something to hide and, uh, and it's, uh, in, so, yeah, I mean, that's Hollywood is littered with people that, you know, go to church and I, I, I'm guessing the percentage has to be the same of, you know, people that believe and practice. And anyway, um, that that's a very long answer for, I, I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> I love that I lo because you're right. There is a, there's a huge stereotype that, you know, it, it, at least, and I hear this a lot among like, you know, people, people promoting Christian movies that Hollywood would never, Hollywood just kicks you out immediately if they find out you believe in God and you have to, swear to become an atheist if you're going to get cast in anything i don't it's in nuts to me that i mean that when i hear that i'm like i i, I don't know where the anti uh i don't know the anti-faith police are touring around uh hollywood search it's it, i they just haven't yeah, gotten to you yet joel yeah they're they're <laughs> on the other side of my fence thank god it's electrified but uh <laughs> You know, like, I don't think the same type, uh, I again, I think it comes down to political persuasion, probably, because like a movie like uh, Susan Sarandon's performance in uh, Dead Man Walking is pretty um, incredible and also pretty uh, true to how a lot of people uh, see their faith as, as Catholics. And I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, and that, you know, that didn't seem to be a problem. Uh, I think like all entertainment, like most entertainment, it is very fragmented. And now you can watch, you know, like it's so dispersed that uh, you can watch exactly what you want to watch. And uh, and so, yeah, I'm, when, I, and then when I hear people complain about, you know, like I can't say what I want to say now anyway, this is my fourth Lamborghini that I bought. And I like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. What's something you learned in history class that you feel wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. I believe that all history, no matter how good or bad, needs to be told. There are wars, massacres, battles, and entire historical events that are just not in our school's history books. Have you ever heard of Mary Bowser? I didn't think so. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. So come huddle around the campfire with me and get ready to hear the stories that you were robbed of. And get comfortable. We're going to be here a while. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Were there ever discussions about religion, uh, you know, backstage in your shows, after, you know, between takes? Did, did you and your cast, fellow cast members talk about that sort of stuff? Be like, and cut. And another thing, this three-person <laughs> God thing. Uh, <laughs> well, like any... Don't get me started on the Trinity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, any, um, like any conversations that happen anywhere, I would say, in any business, if you are close to people, you end up talking about those things. So, of course, yes. I don't know. Do you guys sit around and, in religious groups and talk about uh, movies and television? <laughs> Yes, I do, but mainly because I'm a nerd. So uh, <laughs> uh, we we just got back uh, from a um, a biblical studies conference, actually, and yeah, I hang out with the other um, religious studies and Bible scholar nerds, and we mainly talk about pop culture and movies and uh, <laughs> and our our scholarship uh, a little bit as well. But uh, well, there you go. Yeah. And you're like, did you think that Ben Affleck's Daredevil was? Uh... You know, was had points. That were- <laughs> Look, um, the uh, <laughs> now you're hitting close to home for Dan, Joel. Like, nerve. <laughs> well, you know, there's and and there are. Uh, I have friends who deal with the intersection of uh, like sci-fi and pop culture and religion, uh, and comic books and religion and things like that. So there's there's actual research that that goes on on uh, regarding that kind of stuff. And yep. the new uh, the the Daredevil series, I thought did a great job of incorporating um, yeah. contemplation about religion. Uh, I thought it was uh, it was phenomenal, and I was very upset that it got canceled. And I am very much looking forward to um, whatever this resurrected uh, series is going to be. Um, can I ask you some more questions from our our TikTok people? Yes. So uh, April's April's Lily uh, on TikTok asks. Do you have a favorite Bible story or stories? Um, I think, well, I guess the story, when Jesus is hanging on the cross there with the uh, thieves, and the one thief starts, like, giving him shit. <laughs> the other like, he didn't do anything. The other guy's like, oh, he didn't do anything. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, yeah well, don't worry. We, we're going on a trip. You'll see. And uh, 
I was like that because I always kind of felt like one of the thieves. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, which, uh, which day are you that guy that's heckling people or the guy that's like, stop giving him a hard time. And uh, I thought that I always liked that one. Um, and then, of course, I just read Revelation every night because it's it's really <laughs> it reminds me of some of the, you know, like a really good Grateful Dead concert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know it's what a, happened, but it, it, yeah. it's fun. It's comforting is what it is. It's a it's a good nighttime story. It's like a dolly very, painting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, very topical. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. I guess. Yeah. Those are that. Yeah. That's my answer. Thank Great. you. Lily's Lily. April's Lily. Yes. Uh, and then Coach Crane well, asks, are you ready? I for can a- ask you. Wait, yeah. hold on. When, yeah, you ask. Because the Go. way they divide up the verses in the Bible, like some of the New Testament stuff, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's why they stopped there. And then they picked up with that. And then other times I'm just like, this, what? who numbered this thing? Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. So uh, 1551, and his name was Robert Estienne. Uh, also goes by Stephanus. Uh, so the Textus Receptus was a, a Greek edition of the New Testament uh, that originally was created by Desiderius Erasmus and uh, didn't have versification for the New Testament. And then in 1551, the edition that Stephanus produced was the first one to introduce versification. Totally arbitrary, just like here, 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 here. And uh, and since then, that's what the King James Version was based on. And um, everything since then has had verses. Now that I know, see, I don't even know that. And I'm just like, some dude, some dude. Just yeah, some, and, um, but it's so, uh, it's become so embedded in the tradition that, you know, now we have earlier manuscripts. We know that there are about 16 verses in the New Testament, at least the traditional New Testament, that we know were not a part of the earliest manuscripts. And so we take them out, but we don't re-versify the, the chapters. It just, the verses will just go 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23, 21. And uh, when people stumble across that, they get really confused and really upset. Um, so understandably, I do well, like and, that. And then they make a video that Dan has to respond to that says something like, ah, there's a conspiracy. They're eliminating numbers. There's there, there, there are whole verses that are disappearing. I can't imagine the people who can't direct message you and what they're saying. I can't imagine <laughs> people give me crap for like, how come you didn't like that angel food cake? And uh, <laughs> can't believe what you must get. I do like how the, the Torah, they had the two books, right? On the same page, somewhat contradict, like they often contradict each other. And I was just like, that's, 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 that seems about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Frequently contradict each other when you have um, dozens and dozens of people writing stories. Yeah. Um, over the, a period of almost a thousand years, they're going to disagree. And um, it's a lot easier to enjoy the Bible and to make sense of it when you can acknowledge that, when you've got to go to work to try to make this all agree and harmonize everything. That just makes the Bible become Well, and then growing work. up, it was like, well, you know, God breathed. Oh, yeah? <laughs> really? <laughs> Okay. And I remember going like, yeah, we can't argue with that. Right. I mean, we can't, I mean, literally there's no way you can argue with that. <laughs> and I was just like, come on. It was, yeah. All right. Another TikTok. 
Oh man, uh, you know we we had some that were that were more addressed to uh, to Dan, but also like we'll just throw it to the group. Right, I'll take uh, Dan question. Give me a Dan yeah, we're question. gonna. We're, we're, so somebody was somebody asked witchcraft necromancy. Is it okay if it's for God? Why the heck would uh, would any deity need a witch's skills? I think this is probably a reference to, or or could be a reference to, uh, to First Samuel, Dan, and the uh, the Witch of Endor, which I always yeah. thought was a Star Wars. So thing. Um, there was a witch on Endor that exploded. Yeah, yeah. You, you didn't. She was in the woods. It was kind of a, a Blair Witch setup she had. Um, <laughs> and then just on there. No, and the Death Star just hovered above it. Like, <laughs> she had Ewok friends. It was delightful. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Andor is uh, is the name of a place in uh, uh, in Southwest Asia. I think that's probably where they got the name of that planet from. But uh, we have this story in First Samuel twenty eight about the uh, the necromancer of Andor, uh, and the uh, the title is people call her witch, but the title is is uh, Baalat Ov, which literally means mistress of ghosts and mistress in the sense of master not mm. in the sense of like the feminine form of master. Uh, and yeah, Saul can't seem to um, get access to counsel from God, direction from God. And he's outlawed uh, necromancy uh, everywhere, but goes in disguise to this necromancer to go see if he can uh, get information on whether or not he should go to battle the next day. And so the witch... Uh, is able to conjure up uh, the deceased prophet Samuel. And it says, uh, she says, I, I see gods coming up from the underworld. And Saul says, "What's describe him to me. And she describes the prophet Samuel. And then Samuel tells Saul, uh, you've been a bad boy. Uh, you're going to go up to battle and you're going to die. And, uh, and that's what happens. And so it's it's a fun story because uh, you have Saul going to a necromancer, and then it works. And uh, Wait, and Samuel wasn't actually there. She just said, "Here's what he told me." Uh, well, the the narrative tells it um, as if this is uh, what All actually right. happened. So it's representing it that way. And then Samuel is is um, chewing Saul out. Uh, through the medium of the necromancer, but um, Samuel, who, who was dead, right? Sam, well, yeah, Samuel's dead. I mean, for necromancy to work, someone has to be dead, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the the word necro. Uh, um, <laughs> wait, did you just see this question, or did you see? Did you answer? I, I get asked this kind of question a lot, um, and right. and I actually. And that's I have I have a few pages of discussion in my book on this. So so this is say, that's the real witchcraft that you can just pull that answer out like that. And <laughs> yeah. I was just like, how? What? I can't even I can't even tell you what I did a, a two days ago. And it's very but to, to further answer the question, yeah, witchcraft is just uh, you know divine agency. I don't like. Uh, like the same processes, the same tools, the same media that a prophet uses are the same that um, a, a necromancer or a witch would use, only instead of seeking out the guidance of the deity, you're seeking out the guidance of a deceased person. And anciently, a deceased person was a deity. So it's really saying uh, you're doing this, uh, you're approaching the wrong person. And this is part of God's jealousy. You don't go seeking after information from 
the gods of other nations, from the ancestors, you only come to me. Um, so that's why it's considered a problem. So the line between magic and prophecy is an artificial one that people draw only when they're trying to structure power and say, we're the only ones who are allowed to do this because we're doing it with the appropriate agent. And so everybody else, you're not allowed to do it. But if a yeah. witch, uh, you know, sinks, then they're not yeah. a witch, right? Nor right. If, if she floats, then yeah. she's made of wood. And a movie called Seven Sovereigns for Sarah, I think it was called, about the witch trials. <laughs> no. And uh, they were I like, so. well, if you can get through the Lord's Prayer without stuttering, then we won't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the uh, the. There's a long history of ordeals, and there's been some cool scholarship on on the use of the ordeal, where you know it would be everything from we'll throw you in the river, and if you die, you are innocent, but if you survive, then you're guilty, so we're gonna kill you. Right. Um, uh, but yep. most of the ordeals, it was the idea was we're gonna threaten you with a bad time. God is going to punish right. you if you lie, and then the hope is that that fear of God will compel them to be uh, honest and admit whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm it's like someone going like, well, we're going to shoot a hostage every five minutes. We have no choice. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you if you want to. Oh. oh gosh. Yeah. The, I, the ordeal is, is, uh, has such an interesting history. Yeah. Not, not a great history. It's not, it's not, no, a, no. not a good thing that happened. I would like to uh, cheers. I mean, this is how happy was every fantasy writer when the word necromancy start where they were like, wait, <laughs> what? We can use that. Oh, that's going to be in every book. <laughs> uh, the Necronomicon. That's the, uh, that's one of the greatest writing. words. Yeah. yeah good stuff. All right. You know um, what I'm going to do is I am going to say that we are going to take the rest of this conversation uh, and throw it into. We're going to keep talking with Joel McHale, but we're going to chuck it into the uh, the patrons only stuff. Uh, Joel McHale, thank you so much. I how many people will be left? It'll probably be like, I wonder who's going to stay around. <laughs> it's just going to be the elites. It's, it'll it'll. But the party anyway. continues. Patreon, the paying people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, for the rest of you, thank you so much for uh, for for listening, Joel. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate that. And uh, thanks we'll, for uh, making it this. Whoever hung in there, and uh, I can't <laughs> stop talking. Please forget. Well, let's get into our second segment. Uh, our chapter and verse, and uh, and what I have only known as the Witch of Endor. <laughs> I feel like there should be like a swoosh, a musical something or other yeah. about it. Yeah, I think I, it's it's a shame that we don't have some kind of. Uh, certainly, there's got to be some kind of cinematic interpretation of this story. We, we I don't think we've seen this in uh, in any movies. It's not in the Ten no, Commandments. No, it's not because in, it's kind of crazy. Like yeah. it's, it's a, it's a weird story. If I were trying to make a movie of it or something, I wouldn't know what to do with it, but I wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, every time you watch anything, uh, any movie or, or, uh, retelling of a Bible story, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You're, you're always like, what are they going to include? Oh, I'm, I'm so <laughs> yeah. excited. Cause like they totally made that up. Well, they kind of have to, um, Yeah, exactly. don't really have a choice. Yeah. So, uh, so we're in uh, the book of First Samuel, uh, toward the end of it. We're in chapter 28, uh, and we are dealing with Saul is still the king. 
David has run off and he is hanging out with the Philistines of all people. How he, dare he? Yeah. It's just, it's, it, it's just, he's betrayed his tribe. <laughs> and there's a, there's an argument to make that this kind of warlord mercenary uh, origin story may have some truth to it, that maybe David was really a warlord who kind of took over down in, in the kingdom of Judah, uh, conquered Jerusalem, took over, and then made his way into uh, proclaiming himself king and uh, starting up this chiefdom slash kingdom uh, in the south. So, Yeah, we may have to have this whole show about the historicity of David. We, we're going to have to do that at some point, definitely. But uh, when we move into chapter 28, we have uh, the Philistines gathering their forces to war. And Achish... Uh, or Achish uh, is David's master uh, leader ruler. David's just kind of serving under him. Um, and uh, they're ready to go to battle. And then we cut into verse 3, which is a segment that runs from verse 3 to the end of chapter 28. And and just real quick, just so you know, chapter 29 and 30 have nothing to do with uh, what's going on in the Saul story. It's uh, These are two different stories. And you can tell things have been edited together here because yeah, it's, it's a little confusing to read. Yeah, it's a because tricky. you got um, Akish and David getting ready to battle. And then it says, so the Philistines gathered uh, to for battle at Gilboa. And, th- and that's where Saul's in, uh, in the story. And then it says, now the Philistines gathered all their forces at Aphek. And then we've got these other battles that have nothing to do with Saul. And then it says, so Saul went up to battle against the Philistines at Gilboa, at the very, the very last chapter of, uh, of 1 Samuel. And so more than likely, we are ha- seeing different stories stitched together. Mm. Um, so that's how we can m- most easily, uh, Occam's razor is going to tell us these come from originally distinct uh, stories and they've been stitched together. Okay. But... Uh, 1 Samuel 28, verse 3 through 25 is a single sense unit. It's a single story. And this is where Samuel has died. Um, All of Israel has mourned. And Saul has expelled the mediums and the wizards from the land. Uh, Let's talk about Samuel and Saul, by the way. So we know that Saul was the king. Samuel Mm -hmm. was like a a prophet. Right. uh, Like advisor to the king guy. Uh, yes. So in this time period, prophets primarily were like court prophets. The king just had a, a retinue of, uh, of prophets who had different specializations. And if he was like, uh, you know, I think I want to go to war, uh, what does God say? And the prophets would push their glasses up on their nose and they would go off with their calculators and everything and they would come back and say favorable or unfavorable or something like that. Mercury's or, retrograde, I don't right, think it's a right. good idea. Or he would say, I think I'll have the fish and they would go <laughs> off and they'll say, yeah. Um, and as everyone knows from the movie Airplane, fish is a bad choice. It's a um, bad choice. Yeah. Uh, milk, also a bad choice. Um <laughs> So uh, the the mediums and the wizards are also doing the same kind of stuff. It's still divinization or divination. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is still trying to divine the will of the gods or the universe or whatever using different uh, instruments and different means and techniques and things like that. And so the difference between a prophet and 
a witch, a medium, a wizard, all these kinds of things, usually has to do with who's on the other end of the line. Uh-huh. And it's either you got a an acceptable entity on the other end of the line, or you got a, a bad entity on the other end of the line, and therefore what you're doing is outlawed. Right. And sometimes, even if it is an acceptable entity on the other end of the line, if you're not a part of the acceptable group, if you don't have the authority, and the authority was basically the people who are on my side have the authority, anyone who's not on my right. side, even if they're still working for the God of Israel, that's a big no-no. So they get dismissed as as wizards and magicians and, and all these other things. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. Find out what's real and what's not when it comes to famous conspiracy theories, like those surrounding notorious assassinations and secret societies. Discover the weak and deceptive underpinnings of modern political ideologies and religious beliefs. Join me as I attempt to shed some light on our historical blind spots. New episodes every two weeks. Find historical blindness on most podcast players and platforms. Ever wondered what it's like to be in the room with top Al-Qaeda terrorists plotting their next move? Do you want to know how the history of Islamic fundamentalist thought informs the way the world works today? Well then, dear listener, Conflicted is the podcast for you. I trace the epic battles between Muslims and the West. What are the Houthis' objectives in the Red Sea? It's a lesson to the rest of the Muslim world and the Arab world. Do not trust the Islamists. Hosted by me, Thomas Small, an author and filmmaker, and my good friend, Eamon Dean, an ex-Al-Qaeda jihadi turned MI6 spy, Conflicted tells stories of the Islamic past and present to help you make sense of the world today. And now Conflicted Season 5 is being cooked up, coming to you very soon. And in the meantime, you can sign up to our Conflicted community to give you bonus episodes and access to our community hub on Discord. Subscribe to Conflicted wherever you get your podcasts. So anyway, Saul has has outlawed all of this, and the Philistines are coming up to uh, to battle, going debate me, um, <laughs> and Saul goes to his uh, his court prophets. Samuel's not there, but he's got other folks that he's going to go consult. Uh, and it says here in verse six, when Saul inquired of Adonai. Adonai did not answer him, not by dreams or by urim or by prophets. So the idea being um, dreams were one way that God could communicate their will to folks. Urim, this is the urim and tumim. Uh, Latter-day Saints are going to be familiar with this term. Urim and thummim is how it is also pronounced. Uh, These are two uh, objects of some kind, probably stones of some kind, that were uh, a divinization. I keep saying divinization, are a divination tool, a means of trying to divine um, the will of God or by prophets, because he's got, you know, however many hundred prophets. It's a secret Dakota ring. Yeah. Uh, And you know what? There were all kinds of different ways that you could do this. Casting lots is divination. 
Um, right. You see that in the Hebrew Bible. You see it in the New Testament. That's how they pick. As a matter uh, of fact, doesn't Saul's story start with casting lots to see, or with some sort of, uh, of a game of chance almost to see who gets um, to be the king? Kinda. It's um, it has to do with uh, Samuel as as God is telling him like. You know, you're going to see this, that, and the other, and and this is how you'll know that this is the right one. So it is kind of a sign that that Samuel is going to get. Um, he rolls double sixes and so yeah, yeah. Like, um, Man, <laughs> and in all the 12. stories, uh, yeah, in all the stories, it starts out as a as a nat twenty. It's like, look at this one, <laughs> and God's like, he's the one, he's the one, he's and then um, before too long, he's not the one. Uh, um, that's a <clears throat> <laughs> so Saul needs to know, what am I going to do? And so he says to his servants, uh, seek out for me a woman who is a, uh, a medium or a necromancer. And um, I just want The wanna, very thing that he banished. The ba- he banished. very thing that he banned, right. And that's because these things work. Um, but he's he probably figures... Uh, well, the, the first thing to note here is that a necromancer is somebody who tries to communicate with the dead. There was a very active cult of the dead in ancient Israel, and probably a, a wonderful book from just a couple years ago by a scholar named Carrie Sonia. It's called um, Caring for the Dead in Ancient Israel. Talks about necromancy, talks about the cult of the dead. But basically, everybody believed that the dead were still around in some sense. And when people died, you, you put them in, um, you buried them in a mortuary chapel where you would set up like a standing stone or something, and you would go have meals there, and you would go consult with the deceased. You could ask for blessings and, and things like that. So, um, and, and, you know, what we do in cemeteries today, go and, and talk to headstones and things like that. Very, very similar things going on. Um, so the idea that um, you could consult with the dead was normative up until, um, I would argue, uh, the reign of Josiah. I think Josiah is probably the king who tries to put a stop to this. Um, so the fact Other that- Other than Saul trying to put a stop well, to it, the, and, that's then, what it and then participating in it. Like well, that's what, I was gonna, that's what I was going to point out. This story was written afterwards, but oh. it's about a time that's way before- and so if this is, if there is a social memory from, from centuries before about Saul visiting a necromancer, it wouldn't, there wouldn't have been an issue. But writing about it later, they were like, now Saul had, you know, outlawed all these people. And then he goes to visit one. Come on, what's going on here? But the idea of the king going to visit a necromancer, not really, uh, wouldn't really have been that unusual or surprising in the mm. periods before the 7th century BCE. And so uh, the necromancer, and here I want to I want to plug a book real quick by uh, a scholar that you and I have both spoken with, Esther Hamori, yeah. uh, and the book is called "Women's Divination in Biblical Literature: Prophecy, Necromancy, and Other Arts of Knowledge." Mm. Uh, and it's a wonderful book, and there's a great chapter all about uh, the necromancer of Ain Dor, and um, and it starts off talking about what we're calling this person, um, because colloquially. This is who? Well, the Wikipedia page article <laughs> is about the witch of Endor. Right. The witch of Endor. The Hebrew phrase here is eshet ba'alat ov, which means the woman 
uh, mistress of ove. And ove is a word for uh, ghosts or the deceased or, or something like that. Hmm. Um, and so the, the woman, the mistress, and this is mistress in the sense of the feminine version of master, Right uh, of uh, of ghosts. There's a word for witch. Almost um, a wife of ghosts. Yeah, um, or like could could get to that. That's another sense. Well, that's uh, that's not. I don't think that they ever use that that sense okay. for the feminine of Baal. But the word Baal, which means master, can also mean husband. But okay. I, I think we got to decouple those those senses. Um, Mahash, uh, I think it's Mahashifa is the the word for witch. So in Exodus mm. twenty two, you will not suffer a witch to live. That's uh, Mahashifa. You also have spellcaster, which uh, I think is Haver Chover, uh, and then you have um, the Baalat uh, Kashafim, which would be the mistress of sorcery or witchcraft or something like that. By the way, I can just hear our listeners screaming for the show about all of these different uh, (laughs) categories of of magic users. Yes. Um, It does feel like we're starting a D&D campaign. Yeah, yeah. What is your race? What is your class? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Makashifa. Those are the words that are used to describe a witch. None of those words appear anywhere in this chapter at all. Because a witch uses uh, poisons and um, potions and casts spells. This person is doing none of that. This person is consulting the dead. So they are a medium or a necromancer. Right. Um, So colloquially, people refer to her as a witch and uh, a there is that is gendered in a lot of ways. This is yeah. boo. She's a, she's a villain. She's a witch. <laughs> Kill the witch. Um, Burner. Yeah. Uh, so um, to start off, I want to make sure that we're referring to her uh, the correct way. And she's just trying to scratch out a living, right? And then yeah, she's literally just like a she's like a phone operator to the dead. <laughs> she's and she's got a gift. So yeah, she, she's uh, good at it. She yeah. is. She's genuinely amazing at it, according <laughs> yeah. to the story. And and so Saul asks his servants, he's like, uh, I need a witch. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's a witch over here. And it's not like, <laughs> it's not like, sir, you outlawed all the witches. We wouldn't know where to find any witches. They're just like, oh, yeah, we know one. We use Although her all the time. Although you got to know that like, one, guy, one guy didn't speak up. One guy was like, this is a uh, trick. I know this is a trick. I'm not going to say anything. So he goes in disguise and, um, you know, lays the money down. And um, she asks, uh, who do you want me to uh, bring up? And he says, Samuel. And she's kind of, she, um, there's not a great vibe initially. And she's, right. she's, she's like, su- hey. She's suspicious because yeah. she's doing something illegal. Right. And she says, Saul has outlawed this. And, and the disguised Saul says, uh, swears by the name of the God of Israel that nothing will happen to her. I... Why she would be like, oh, well, I guess it's okay then. Um, it feels like one of guess. those. It feels like one of those. If you're a cop, you have to tell me sort of moments. <laughs> and um, and then she she immediately brings up Samuel, and the text does not say how. And scholars have debated this, and and it's just not a part of the story. But somehow she um, understands that this is Saul, and now is um, I'm I'm picturing the the scene in. Uh, uh, in Prince of Thieves, <laughs> the painted man. The oh witch, my God! Uh, <laughs> you you just went back hard. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I 
even I don't remember the Prince of. This is the uh, the what's his name, Robin Hood. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, but she gets freaked out. Um, the the crone and um, but uh, um, Saul's not worried about this. He's like, "Who did you see?" And um, she says, "I see an Elohim coming up from the earth." Oh, okay. And Elohim means God or gods. Um, and there, there is a little question here about whether this is supposed to be singular or plural, because she says, I see Elohim coming up from the earth and the, the participle is in the plural, but Saul then says, what does he look like? Oh. And, um, and then the woman says, uh, an old man coming up, he's wearing a robe. Okay. And then, um, Saul was like, oh, that's Samuel. Obviously, old man robe, that's the right guy. There can be only one. Yeah. Uh, old man in a robe. <laughs> I love I I also love that he uh he doesn't go to a prophet. He goes to a necromancer to talk to his favorite prophet who is dead. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's uh it's got to be demoralizing for his other prophets. For him to be like, "You all suck. I'm going to go visit an illegal necromancer to find my dead prophet." Yeah, um, exactly. And so and the first thing <laughs> the first thing that Samuel says is basically, "You should have let me sleep." He says, "Why, yeah, why'd why are you, do you this? disturbing me?" Um and and it's such a tantalizing little taste of how they must have understood the afterlife. In yeah. some sense, Samuel is just chilling. Samuel is um, at rest, or Samuel is just uh, enjoying or at least experiencing whatever they conceptualize the afterlife to be. He's bowling in the great alley <laughs> and beyond, or whatever. And and Saul's got to wrench him up from the from the underworld, uh, and so he's like, "What?" <laughs> he's, and um, he's pissed. <laughs> and uh, and so Saul says, "I'm in great distress," and I'm reading here from the NRSV UE. New Revised Standard Version, updated edition. I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. Uh, and and Samuel's like, look, if God's not responding... Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's just not that into you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he continues, uh, Adonai, or the Lord has done to you just as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the, voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you today. Uh, and then... The Lord will give Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. Wow, nice. that is that yes. is not the message you want to get when you no. visit the 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 necromancer of Endor. Yeah. Um, now, normally, something like that happens. Most people would be pretty despondent and probably just run home crying. Um, says immediately Saul fell full length on the ground filled with fear because of the words of Samuel and there was no strength in him for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. Um, and it doesn't say why, but uh, fasting would have been a part of many attempts at divination. Like mm. there's one kind of divination called incubation where you would fast and then you would go spend the night in the temple in mm. the hopes that you would be visited by the deity uh, in the night. So Saul is probably fasting in an effort to try to make thinner 
the uh, the barrier that separates the living from the dead. Okay. <laughs> and then the, the necromancer is like, by the way, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> she says, your servant has listened to you. I've taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also listen to your servant. And, and she gets him bread. Um yeah, so that he can. Yeah, she makes uh, him a nice meal. Strength. Yeah, and he's like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> um, but they urged him, so he got up from the ground, sat on the bed, um, and she had a fatted calf in the house. So she slaughtered it, took flour, kneaded it, and baked unleavened cakes. Which is and not the fastest way to get food yeah. to a starving guy. It's like, just sit <laughs> like, down, and three hours I'll be back. Yeah, uh, exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then we go into uh, chapter 29. The Philistines have rejected David. They're like, what's this guy doing with us? And, um, and they're like, get him out of here. Uh, and then it's not until uh, chapter 31 that we finally get to the battle with the Philistines at Gilboa. And immediately the Philistines rout them. Uh, Saul is injured and uh, is going to die. And so he goes to his armor bearer excuse me, uh, and basically says, run me through. And the armor bearer is like, uh, I don't want to. And so he, he falls on his own sword. And then the armor bearer is like, damn it. And so he falls on his own sword. Um, and so things, uh, things don't end well uh, for uh, Saul and the kingdom of Israel. The Philistines yeah. have the upper hand. Uh, and this is, uh, and we talked about this a long time ago when we talked about 2 Samuel 3.27, where Adonai promised that, uh, that Moab would be delivered into the hands of the coalition, but here the necromancer says that you, uh, that you will, the army of Israel will be given into the hands of the Philistines. And what does that mean? Total domination, total destruction. The Philistines rout them um, and take over. So uh, it is a weird story to set up a tragic ending to the life of. Who the guy who was supposed to be the man? Yeah, um, and a lot of scholars would argue that this is written much later, and this is an effort to uh, take some some vague, spotty social memories about this king back then, and kind of use him to create this narrative about um, starting off good, but oh, you did the wrong thing, and so God um, royally screwed you over. What wait was the wrong thing visiting the necromancer? What was the wrong no, thing? No, Saul no, it was, was before that. It was all it was before, before that. that. Yeah, that's yeah. Saul is visiting the necromancer because God is uh, like it's, not on speaking right. terms. He's getting right. the cold shoulder. And um, <laughs> as a friend so, of he, mine, he's been it. he's been ghosted. Um, Holy ghosted! <laughs> well, I was I was going with the yeah. necromancer ghosted, oh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's ghosting in all of the best <laughs> there, ways. To yeah, be there are levels. There are levels to that. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's <laughs> and amazing. he had to go to and and so some people, um, you know, they're like, oh, the um, the necromancer didn't have power. This was just uh, the Lord working through and and allowing this to happen. And I was like, the necromancer makes a living doing this. Right. Um, it's not like she's like, holy crap, it actually worked for the first right. time ever. Um, <laughs> this is what uh, she did for a living. And um, and so the fact that Samuel is an actual deceased person referred to in the text as a deity or a divine being or a god um, is pretty securely indicates that in this time period, 
that was not um, a bridge too far. That was not unusual. That was not odd. Yeah. So go visit your mediums, everybody. The, the Bible <laughs> is totally down with it. Throw a coin to your necromancer. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing. I, you know, I have seen videos of pastors and uh, and ministers decrying this story and saying that it was false. It didn't really happen this way because that that stuff isn't real or whatever. And it's just like, okay, well now you're just denying what happens in your own book. It just seems I, very strange. I just made a video about this. Um, oh, did you? There's, there's been some crazy stuff going on on Twitter lately. Yeah. And, um, and I've had some people coming after me. Okay. But, um, and, and some of them, uh, and, and I am hearing a lot these days that I am denying the word of God. And so the mm. video I made was saying, everybody denies the word of God. Right. And folks who are like, this story didn't happen. It's like, you're denying the word of God according yeah. to how you usually assert it has to be understood. So, yeah, um, yeah everybody at some point or another is, has to say, I, I don't buy that. Whether it's here, whether it's the command to sacrifice your firstborn child in Exodus twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, uh, or all the stories about the numerous gods, or 2 Kings three twenty-seven, where the God of Israel loses, everybody at some point is going to say, yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah, it's so funny to me because there there is this this very strong denial that has to happen if you don't come at the Bible with from the perspective of this you know, as you always talk about, it's not univocal. It wasn't written by God. It was written by people of a time and those people frequently disagreed with people of another time and mm -hmm. like and if you can come at it from that perspective, it's fine. It's all fine. Yeah. You know, all of it you you don't you don't have to take every word of it as literally true, and uh, you couldn't if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, at at some point you got to be like, all right, we got to find a different way. We're gonna have to read some stuff into this. And uh, and as you and I have have both talked about before, and and as I hear in in messages from people all the time, it gets so much more interesting when you can just let it be what yeah. it wants to be. And, and just engage it on its own terms. I think it's so much more fascinating. And how cool is this story? And and how uh, interesting where you got the king visiting somebody who's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm outlawed and, um, uh, and we're going to pull up Samuel and Samuel's a god and Samuel says, you're, uh, you're going down, Saul. Yeah. So it's, it's just such a, such a fascinating story. And I feel bad for people who have to be uncomfortable, uh, who feel uncomfortable about it and have to find ways to talk around it and, and make excuses for it. Yeah. Cause, cause that it's just, so much fun. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, so that's what friends, we're about here. Fun. We're all having fun here. That's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole gig. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you would like to, uh, be, have even more fun, uh, you can go to our Patreon uh, and become a, a member there. Uh, and at the right level, you can have more fun with Joel McHale later uh, in the bonus episode there. Uh, and you help out our show and help keep it going. Uh, that's patreon.com slash data over dogma. If you'd like to write into us, you can write to us at contact at data over dogma And uh, other than that, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Data Over Dogma is a member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. It is a production of Data Over Dogma Media, LLC, copyright 2023, all rights reserved.